and welcome to Moments of Inspiration, a podcast for educators by educators, with the purpose of sharing what's right in the world for a change. So buckle up and come take a journey with us, because no matter where you are, we're on this road together. If your screen time numbers are a source of shame over the last several months, ignore it. Really. So what if I spend more minutes connecting with family, friends, colleagues, and students, or scrolling for news updates than the total number of steps that I took today? How about you mind your own business screen time report? Actually, I will admit to some screen fatigue. Like many of you, I actually miss spending most of my day moving on my feet and getting a change of scenery even if it was just a trip to the front office or to running to a neighboring classroom. I've tried to break up my seat time by doing yoga breaks, by taking walks at lunch, to stretch, to get fresh air, and um, un-numb my lower extremities. I have a newfound respect for the need of active learning in classrooms and brain breaks during PD. During some of these scroll sessions, I came across a workout challenge posted by local PE teachers. Many of my teacher friends were posting snaps and boomerangs of their own walks, bike rides, and active moments of their day, and tagging the two teachers. Doing a little investigating, I discovered that Katie and Meredith from rival middle schools here in Dare County had ignited a movement, a movement, a movement movement. Meredith Harris is essentially the star quarterback of First Light Middle School squad. Not only is she a beloved PE teacher, but she has also served as a coach and an athletic director. Enthusiasm and energy are never in short supply when interacting with Ms. Harris, and it's no surprise that in this fourth quarter of the 2019-2020 season, she lobbed a perfect Hail Mary that turned long remote learning days into something celebration-worthy. Katie Hart is Meredith's counterpart over at Manio Middle School. My best friend Jody is the president of Ms. Hart's fan club, which also counts among its ranks many students and families from the Roanoke Island community. Her role as mama to four kiddos, including newborn twins, Beck and Wells, didn't slow Katie's role of pumping out those tough workout challenges and keeping both the First Flight and Manio community on their toes. For three weeks, Katie and Meredith were quite the presence on social media, posting recommended workouts to their respective pages, inspiring students and their families, as well as other Manio and First Flight teachers to post their activities daily and then tagging them back to whatever PE teacher they wanted their points to go towards. Then on Sundays, the two would hop on Instagram and reveal the point totals for the week. I was motivated myself to stay active watching all this go on. This week, we interview Katie and Meredith to tell us more about what inspired this competition how it developed strong relationships despite distance, and some of the lessons learned that they will be adding to their 2020-2021 playbooks. How did this come about between you two? So you two are obviously friends, but how does an idea like this come come to fruition? So I was actually scrolling Facebook right before spring break and I came across a church advertisement for their Easter uh, service and it was where one person was holding a sign, one person was holding a sign and together it read a message. 
So I immediately took a screenshot and sent it to Meredith. And I was like, is this something that you would be interested in doing school versus school on like a workout challenge? And she immediately said, absolutely. And our thoughts started rolling. We've been best friends for what, 10 years now? I mean, so us to talk back and forth is an everyday thing. So when Katie saw that and came up with the thought of like, hey, like, let's let's get this rolling. I mean, it was just one of those things where we just ran with it. We spent most of all spring break kind of going back and forth, trying to come up with how we wanted to roll it out, what platforms we were going to use. And then we went back and forth for a couple hours that weekend before that Monday back from spring break. And we were ready to roll out that Monday when we all got back. And um, we got all of our PE teachers on board to be a part of the picture taking. And then we just said, you know, to make it easy, we were going to send out the challenges through Instagram and everything. And we just rolled with it. And it was one of those things that we never anticipated the instant, you know, oh, wow, man, the, the kids, the parents, everybody was loving it. So that was something that was really cool. Well, y'all are so creative. Clearly put your hearts into it. It was really hard when Katie got transferred to Manio because when you get to work with your best friend every single day, it, it was never work for us. We were always in PE together. The way our rotation was, we were always the two gym teachers. So when she got moved, it was really hard adjustment for both of us. We've always talked about the idea behind doing something, you know, with the two schools. It never really came to fruition. So when she came up with the idea of like, hey, let's try this. And it was so fun to finally be able to take advantage of both of us being at different schools for the first time, but still having that best friend mentality kind of thing. And ideally this was, well, when you started it, it was between First Flight Middle School versus Mania Middle School. And the Mm -hmm. idea was getting kids involved, right? But then it kind of quickly grew into staff families, community. Any, anybody that was a Manio graduate, they were trying to get points for Manio. Anybody that was first flight graduates. I mean, we had submissions. Katie would actually, you know, know a lot more of the, the first flight high school kids because she was, you know, there more recently. But I mean, she's got Manio high school kids that are, were hers that are sending her stuff and first flight high school kids sending me stuff. I mean, it was just the school pride thing is kind of what caught on, I think, especially at this time, you know, so many kids are missing out on eighth grade, you know, years, senior years. And all of a sudden it just became a, how are we going to be able to to show our school pride? All of a sudden it was like, oh man, let's do this. You know, we, we don't have sports going on right now. You know, we don't have dance or, or sports. And all of a sudden it was able to, you know, take something as small as a workout challenge and turn it into like, for us, it became our Olympics. <laughs> yes. And as Meredith stated, it, it quickly grew from students to staff to parents to extended family. I mean, we had 10 different states represented. We had Italy, Guam, Jordan. I mean, submissions coming in from seriously all over the world. I mean, it was, yeah. it was yeah. so cool. So what started as a way to get our kids up and moving, of course, we are physical education teachers, was our main goal. Get them up and moving and exercising when they have the choice to not, to do their other schoolwork, hopefully, and to play video games or, you know, sleep longer. We got them up and moving. But what started as that turned into this Olympics, as Meredith said, that just blew up into getting family members involved, staff members involved, parents involved, people in the community and out of the community in a fun and competitive way, but in turn led to physical activity that may not have happened. So in my brain, is it was basically a way to use the competitive aspect of it but turn people onto the challenge, of course, but also just becoming physically active when they had the choice to not be. Well, I think that's huge. And what you guys model, whether you realize it or not, 
is that, you know, what you said earlier about they're no longer doing this for a grade. That's a big barrier right now with remote learning. And so I think what you showed was like, if you can come and make it relevant, and if you can think about what will engage students, what will be exciting for them, then they're no longer doing it for extrinsic motivation, right? Like you tapped into that intrinsic, you know, I want to do this because I want to be healthy. I want to feel good. Yes, there is competition and that's a good way to use it. But, um, you know, I think there's so many teachers on so many levels who can't get their head around. Like, how do I get students to just want to learn? For me, one of the coolest pieces of this was seeing how many of my coworkers that are not physical education teachers were reaching out to their own students and getting them involved in the challenge and doing things together using all of the tools that we have right now with remote learning, with Google Hangouts and sending out stuff through Seesaw and use, we had a teacher that was reaching out to their students that are in our self-contained classes that are doing their challenge in Seesaw and they were modifying it each day. So it was teachers that are not in the physical education world, if you will, were taking something and using that to then connect and make relationships with their students, which ultimately is our goal. I think as teachers for myself, for Katie, I know being able to make a difference is what we got into this profession to begin with, being able to make an impact Katie and I would text back and forth and I'd have days where I'd be like, you will not believe what happened today. Kids that don't enjoy PE, they don't want to participate in PE. All of a sudden getting emails, four, five, six emails showing, hey, Miss Harris, I did this for the challenge today. I got you five more points. Being able to find something that motivated them and got them going and then got adults involved too, that now when we go back to school, whatever it looks like, they've now created a relationship and a connection with that person that makes that transition easier. So it was something that we started out with this idea and it blew up to something so much, so much more than that. It was something that we never could have foreseen. And I'm just glad we went with it because that's the best part of being able to look back on this is what it meant for other people, not just ourselves. And just to piggyback off of that a little bit, it's cool to be able to, like Meredith said, we weren't sure what this was going to look like. We started without knowing everything without knowing what the end result was going to look like or how many people were going to participate. And that's something that we can teach our students is it's okay to not know. It's okay to not have the whole picture. It's okay to not know what the end result is, to be able to just start something and modify it and change it and learn from things as you go and to make it better. Reach for that end result that you have in your mind that you want, but if it changes throughout the way, that's okay too. It it might not be exactly what you had pictured, but it could be something better. So can you talk a little bit about what kinds of activities you included in the challenges and and maybe how you motivated or, or why you think people were motivated to do those? You know, one of the things we mentioned was our whole concept of disguised fitness. When you start getting kids and adults to do things that doesn't feel like physical activity, you have a better likelihood of them sticking with it. It takes three weeks to have a habit form. You know, it can take, you know, over 21 days. So we went three weeks and we're hoping now that we were able to encourage families to get out and go do something. We never really did anything fitness-wise that was completely impossible for anybody of any level to achieve. I know the the first day, I think we did like 75 burpees as our first challenge. And we had so many people like, no, like this is not this, you know, so we realized very quickly that we needed to scale back and kind of make it more inclusive so that anybody of any physical capability could do it. We had a challenge 
one day that was um, the last week on Tuesday was a kindness challenge. You know, do something kind. We just, we wanted to reach every aspect of every person in that health triangle with the physical, emotional, and social piece of everything. And I think that ultimately we started out as a way to try to keep our kids active and it turned into, you know, hopefully starting a new, whole new mentality for everybody that got involved. The competition itself was based on a point system that you guys came up with and each activity that was completed was worth a certain number of points. So can you kind of tell us how those points were accumulated, what counted for for how many points and how those points were earned, that kind of thing? The main thing was that we rolled out each week on Monday with a new set of challenges. However, points were not necessarily accumulated just by participating in the challenges. Any physical activity was counted for points. So for example, if someone sent in a picture of them doing whatever the physical activity was that they participated in that day, whether it was part of the challenge or not, we want to encourage any physical activity. So as Meredith stated, the first day that we rolled out was 75 burpees. Not a whole lot of people were participating in that. So we counted anything that anybody sent in. A picture was worth three points. A video was worth five points. If someone commented on what they did that day as far as what physical activity they participated in, we were giving them two points for that. Three points for a picture, five points for a video or TikToks, boomerangs, all those were worth five points. We also, like we said, used Google Classroom as a platform to be able to submit evidence with pictures and videos. But when they turned the assignment in by the end of the week, that was also worth a point. So there were multiple ways to score points for each school. We made options for kids. If they didn't feel comfortable submitting evidence with their picture, they could put stickers over top of their faces or something like that to keep it confidential. We kept it private if that's the platform that they decided they wanted to use. And I think accessibility to me stood out. Like the fact that it wasn't a closed Google Classroom, like that you guys made it something where people could submit on social media made that very possible, you know. It got the word out, Mm -hmm. but it also made it easy to participate. We didn't want to make it exclusive on social media either because we knew that some people don't have those platforms. So we wanted to make sure that we kept it educational by making sure that Google Classroom could be used to participate. Yeah. So like Katie and I would send out our remote learning assignments, which was the challenge for that week. You know, we'd send out the same thing. The kids would get it, but we changed the format. So it looked more like something they were used to in regards to, you know, the hyperdoc format and things like that. We would send that out. Ours would match. So hers would geared towards the manual middle school colors, you know, trying to pump up them. And then mine would go out with the first light colors and stuff. And then we would send out our stuff on Instagram. But then our staffs got into it, which we got a lot of stuff involved with email too. So like for adults that weren't comfortable with the Instagram stuff or weren't in our Google Classrooms, we open up the email possibility of just even sending us an email saying, hey, I worked out today. We'd count that. Trying to get anybody involved that weren't comfortable with a picture or a video, you know, something like that, that they could still be a part of it. So when you talked about that it came from students and then it was staff and families, where else did you get submissions from? Katie actually had a family that was reaching out to anybody that they could get to help out their competitive nature. I loved it. She was able to connect with a ton of people through that way because as soon as they started following on Instagram, then they were just submitting stuff constantly. That was a neat part of it. She had a mom that just ran with this, was like, let's go, Manio. We are just going to crush it this week. She was reaching out to family members all over. Then, you know, anybody that they had, she was throwing out challenges, (laughs) do a jumping jacks challenge. You know, I mean, she was getting anything she could to get them. They just destroyed us that last week. 
it was hilarious because we could see our scores. So we were going back and forth and each day I was like, you had 212 video submissions. What in the world? Like unreal how much it grew in such a short period of time. It came at one point, three point and five point yes. at a time. Like the fact that that was the increments and you're talking about 200 a day. I know we, we laughed because that first, that first week when Manio won, everybody, I think on, on our end of things on the first flight end of things, we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we have so many more people. We've got to step it up. So that next week we did a, a whole faculty workout. So we had up to, I think we had like 68 people participating in one of the challenges. I was on strict, do not spill the beans. Don't let her know like our secret weapon this week. So that ended up getting us 200 point differential at that end. She was like, how did you score so many videos in one day? So of course I had to tell her, you know, I was like, I couldn't keep it from her for for the next week. And man, they, as soon as they knew that we were going to try to use the size of our staff, that it was, it was done. I didn't, I didn't stand a chance. They were like, let's go. It's sometimes you just, you don't have words for it. It was yeah. one of those things where you just don't have words. It was, yeah. it was, it was so cool. It was hard for some people because they know both Meredith and myself. So it was like, oh, what school am I going to? Yeah. <laughs> I played Switzerland for the first two weeks, y'all. I was like, yeah. I'm not going to make Meredith mad. And Jody keeps telling me I need to do this for Katie. And I was like, I'm just going to, because I do, I mean, I do something every day. Like I even sent her a day and I was like, what do I do about this epic day? Who do I send it to? And she was like, send it to Katie. So I, I really was, I'm doing stuff active every day, but I will totally admit that I was Switzerland. Switzerland, I love it. I love it. That's, that's funny. awesome. <laughs> and that's okay. As long as people are up and moving, that was the whole point of it. That was even another thing that we said in the webinar, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't about which school won. Yeah. How many people we reached and, and were able to get up and active and moving and participating in the challenge. And that was the main point and the most important point at the end of the day. Yes. That healthy competition kind of feeds into so many different things. Competition is a good thing. It's part of life. We don't, we never wanted to make it, you know, a negative thing, which is why for us, Katie and I both, positivity breeds positivity. If you're going to talk to us, we're going to be motivational to you. We're going to be uplifting to you, whether you're from Manny or First Light. That's why anytime we posted anything, we always, always, always included both schools, you know, saying something positive about both schools, trying to increase that presence and doing that modeling behavior, you know. So we went three weeks and never once had to delete a comment, had to delete something negative towards the other school. There was not a single time where it was, you know, we looked back on when we could say, you know, man, that that was not a good idea. Like we really, truly were really, really lucky with that because there was a, a lot of concerns about, you know, using that social media piece because sometimes it can be intimidating. It can be scary. And we realized how many of our kids are on Instagram. And it was just like one of those things where we realized that was going to be the best way. We didn't want to use Facebook. You know, our kids are, are doing that. And we wanted to just go for something that we could reach them quickly. They knew that they were going to see it anyways and reach other kids in other classes. And, you know, it just spread. And that was what was so cool. And that there was not one time was there somebody going on to Katie's stuff and saying something negative about Manio or coming on to my stuff, saying something, you know, negative about First Slate. And, you know, that was, that was something to me. It was just a healthy way to get people moving, but have a little competitiveness in it, but it was all geared towards something positive. And that was the coolest thing. I think what you were able to do there was, and if people will, will realize it is a lot of people are fearful of doing some of these kind of things and using social media and using, you know, those online tools because they're scared of what's going to happen. And and mm -hmm. I very often say, if you take the time to teach the process, if you take the time to teach them how to act, 
and then you model how to act, most of the time you're going to get the result that you're looking for. So you can't let fear hold you back. So I commend you for that. And the fact that you had some misgivings possibly about using Instagram, but then it turned out well is an awesome story. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. So when I emailed them, I told them that they were sheroes for doing this. And this is what <laughs> I mean, Chris. Um, and it's true. So let me ask you this. Did you realize when you were doing that, that you were modeling that good digital citizenship for your students, that you were actually teaching them above and beyond physical education, above and beyond fitness? You were modeling for them how to be good digital citizens, how to be professional online, how to you know have that presence that wasn't going to be a problem. And as we move forward into next year and we talk about the digital learning standards for students, you know, what you did there was you you absolutely captured that whether you realized it or not. So I'm I'm curious if you were actively thinking I'm going to model this for my kids and hopefully they'll catch on or if that was just kind of a byproduct and now you're like, oh, wow, that was kind of cool. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that we teach when we are in in the building teaching health education is, you know, digital disrespect and how to how to be, you know, a good role model online when you could very easily hide behind a screen and say whatever, whatever you want, hurting someone's feelings or bullying or, you know, that kind of disrespect that we try to teach how to use this stuff correctly and how to use it with the responsibility of, of doing it the right way. And so, of course, we have that in our mind. You know, that's something that we teach every year to our students. And it's not as big of a piece as it probably should be. But with this challenge, it was definitely integrated where we were, you know, like Meredith said, positivity breeds positivity. And we were leading by example and modeling that behavior of using social media platforms in a positive way. What have you learned from all of this that you might use again in the future, if it's remote learning or not? I've learned that there's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be people that think it might not work. There's always going to be things that we need to figure out as we go. That's what we want from our students. That will, That's what we want from our own kids. That's what we want for our friends and anybody that we care about. We want people to be able to grab a hold of something that they think is a great idea and you want them or you want yourself to be able to run with it. And yes, you want it to be successful, but you also want lessons learned, right? We want to be able to be lifelong learners. And that's what Meredith and I have done in this process. We have learned things throughout the process. And we've not only got a community and beyond of people up and active, we've learned that there are other ways to teach and other ways to lead by example than just face-to-face and in the classroom. We were able to do this remote learning and virtually along the way. And it's just been a really, not only fun, but a huge success judging by the not only the numbers increasing each week, but the amount of fun that we've had, but how that's trickled down through to our students, community members, and beyond. 100% could not agree more. When we look back on this, it's going to be something that we will never forget. Next spring, whether we're in school, remote learning or whatever, we're going to continue on doing something like this every year. Just as something that we realize means so much more to us than we ever imagined. And it means more to our kids and it means more to people that are outside of the school building. So for us to to be able to continue this on is a really big, important thing for both of us to be able to do. But, you know, in 13 years of teaching, I never imagined seeing something from the craziness of remote learning turn into the joy that it brought to everybody around it. I mean, it was just a really special, special thing. Absolutely. The idea of modeling all the things that you did, especially looking at it with that lens of being a lifelong learner and helping kids build a healthy lifestyle shines through. It is imprinted on these kids and their families in a way that I don't think a a comment on a report card ever would do. 
this is such a phenomenal example of twisting a very challenging situation, adapting and, and making it the best that it could possibly be. You guys are awesome. That's all. Thank you again to Meredith and Katie for all your hard work and for sharing your story with us here on Moments of Inspiration. I would be remiss if I didn't also send a shout out to Katie's twins, Beck and Wells, and Meredith's great Dane Jingle Bell, who can all be heard somewhere in the background giving their input and talking up their moms during the interview. Thank you for listening, and please be on the lookout for episode 10 next week. If you wish to contribute and share your story, please visit us at bit.ly forward slash all caps ILC MOI. That's bit.ly forward slash all caps ILC MOI. The Moments of Inspiration podcast was written, recorded, and produced by Molly Holloman. Stacy Lovedall and Chris Bennett. It is available for listening or download on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Castbox, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public, as well as through our website. The music in this episode was taken from YouTube Creator Studio and includes Rolling Heads by Unicorn Heads, Redwood by Kinkas Morera, Credit Jam by Chris Bennett and Hear the Noise by John Dealey and the 41 Players. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to hearing from you. So come on, everybody. Get your voice out there. Oh, moments of inspiration. Everybody's talking about it. Thank you. Thank you very much.